so much better. Everybody looks better in black and white. I love the sound of this man's voice. This is Abe Gurko of Won't Be Silent. You may know him from his TikTok fame as someone who calls out politicians for their dirty work, but that's not all he's known for. Welcome to Shout Your Cause with Sally Hendrick, a digital magazine where you can get found, get heard, and get inspired with content that challenges us to be globally minded. Our focus is on raising awareness around social justice issues, cultural differences, and to bring you the people dedicating their lives to tackling challenging topics as their way of giving back. Let us be your advocate to make your voices heard around the world. I started a project shortly after the Nazis were marching in Charlottesville, um, which is one of those moments that you realize this is my mission in life. And what that was is that my uncle who was killed in a concentration camp wrote a song as a song of resistance to the Nazis. His name was Wolf Dramashkin. He wrote this song, it was called Stay Silent, which was a way that the prisoners kind of kept their, you know, dignity by not letting them see you be upset and don't let them take away your tears. And it was this really touching kind of mantra that they sang. And when he was killed, so the song went away, but 70 some years later, the song appeared in a random book and the Holocaust Museum contacted my family and said, we found this piece of music, it's attributed to your uncle, said, you know what, this is a project that I wanna do something with. It's manifested in a lot of different ways. And um, the first thing was to take the piece of music and more expand on it and turn it into a song. And the fact that he wrote it as a song of resistance was I was inspired to create a, you know, a modern day anthem for social justice to speak up. And my friend who's a songwriter changed the lyrics to Won't Be Silent. And that became the project. So I've been working on this documentary. I've been developing a pilot for um, about protest music for one of the streaming services. And um, this podcast, of course, is an extension of talking to everyday people, we the people speaking up because especially where we are now politically and, you know, coincidentally I'm doing this on January 6th, which is the one year anniversary, kind of our version of Pearl Harbor, I think about it. It's, you know, it's a combination of Pearl Harbor and 9-11, but it's what makes it so horrible is, is that it, we were attacked from within and it's unforgivable. And, you know, having my mom survived Dachau. So living in a country that remotely resembles fascism is not acceptable and it won't be something that I'm ever going to be part of. You can hear the passion in Abe's voice about his documentary. Not only was his uncle murdered during the Holocaust, the potential of fascism rising in the United States is something that he is prepared to fight against. But how old was your mom in Dachau? 
She was in her very early 20s, like 20, 21 years old, you know. I went to Dachau. What year did I study in Spain? I feel so old. 1990. I went to school in Spain and then afterwards did some traveling and went to Dachau. When I visited the concentration camp, that was the first time, because I was like 20. So that was really the first time that I actually understood what the Holocaust was. I grew up in a small town in West Tennessee. And my experience with a Jewish person was, what does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) I, I had no experience. Speaking of the Holocaust, the only thing I remember learning in high school was that six million Jews were killed. We had to fill in the blank with the number six. So to visit a concentration camp while I was in college really opened my eyes to the horrors that it was and that it wasn't all that long ago. We're living in a time where corruption has run such amok that it's infiltrated not only in our everyday politics, but into the actual framework and the system of governance that they think they can get away with whatever they want. And I have to tell you something, just when you know what happened during World War II, where everyday German educated, cultured people transitioned to be violent, but monstrously violent, that it's innate in mankind. I mean, we it's in all of us. Hate is in every one of us. And love is in all of us too. But the thing is, it takes the right kind of manipulative person to shape the way people think. You know, it's like the same thing with Stockholm Syndrome. It's not like it's new. We, it's, it's been part of our culture year after century after century, you know? And, and hatred and anti-Semitism and racism and, you know, it's like this is, it's nothing new, but what we have now is a system within our government, which is the Republican Party, which is hell-bent on doing whatever to maintain control. And that's why what they can do behind the scenes with counting votes and whatever is they look at it as just like rationalized to have power the same way Hitler convinced the Germans that he was the best thing for them. His, you know, making the, uh, the economy in Germany strong again became the most important thing. And then if you feed people enough bullshit, they're going to start thinking it's delicious. Nothing different is happening except we are in the middle of living in Germany 1939-ish, you know? And the thing that's, and I say this all the time, the thing that's so scary about it is that when you look at, Hitler was in jail in 1923 where he wrote Mein Kampf, and by 1933 he was Chancellor of Germany. That's not a long time. And we are looking at Trump's inauguration in 2017 is not even when it's the starting point. Talking about birtherism and he started making that whole thing about racism with Obama. Now we're looking at 2007. You know what I'm saying? So it's, we're already 2000, we're already 10 years into this whole thing, 16, 15 years. And the thing about Germany and that war is that they didn't have social media. 
So they were at the mercy of just, you know, propaganda. We have propaganda and social media, which is why we can have 30 million people willing to kill us because they think their phony God, that orange piece of shit, is the one that actually has their best interest at heart. And it's kind of like, it's just mind boggling. Did you see that? On January 5th and 6th, the cost of a room at the Trump Hotel was $8,000 yeah. a night. Yeah, yeah. When, during yeah. the insurrection. Imagine yeah. imagine these idiots from like Podong pooling their money to say, come on, let's all split a room in the hotel. And we'll yeah. be at the Trump Hotel. And I just did a post about that. Like, they all need to die. I'm sorry, period. And if it won't be on, it won't be at my hand, but it'll be on probably their own. It's not going to end well. Anyway, you slice it. Abe has a good point. This development didn't start in 2017 with Trump's inauguration. It goes back to the Obama birth certificate ordeal and likely way before that. Knowing that a century before that Hitler was grooming people to believe in him long before the atrocities of World War II gives me chills. Do you want to stand out from the crowd with your content? Come discover how to market yourself as an expert, as a change maker, as a positive influence on other people's lives. With the Exponential Marketing Club, you will learn the ins and outs of content marketing that makes a difference in the world. Visit sallyhendrick.com forward slash club. I remember that last year, I actually went and looked it up online and it was true that the the hotel rooms were that high. And it was all surreal. I remember all of that happening last year, but even backing up a couple of weeks, I live downtown Nashville and the bombing happened on second Avenue, which is literally, I could see the smoke. I posted the first video on Twitter of the smoke rising going, what the heck is that? That was Christmas day. Oh, right, right. Okay, Christmas day. And so I went on a little investigative reporting with a friend of mine who is a, a photojournalist. He's an award winner and he got a, a, some amazing photos. I was, I, my photos sucked, but I was with him to go find a way to the spot because everything was blocked off and we but we knew the way around here whereas the fbi didn't really understand all of the underground this and that down here and so we found our way through but then within a couple of weeks you know the insurrection happened and nashville just disappeared off of the news completely and in fact trump didn't even acknowledge the bombing here at all not at all And it was really sick and sad. And I started to feel really terrible about that time and nervous about a lot of things because there were a lot of other threats of different capitals around the country having some sort of uprising. Well, the capital's right here in my back door, practically. And the police had come and they put up signs and were giving us warning letters and all this stuff. And and we moved out for about a week. If anything, we're prime targets right here, the other historical row of buildings downtown with one prior, you know, just down the road had been bombed by some delusional man and who knows why. 
Only five days before Christmas 2021, I published an article in the Tennessee Lookout that detailed my personal experience around the Nashville explosion that happened so close to my home that it shook me out of bed and awakened my entire family at 6.30 a.m. on the dot, the time that Anthony Quinn Warner detonated his homemade bomb. The January 6th insurrection happened just two weeks later, and Nashville's news was swept away like it never happened, to the rest of the world anyway. But here we are today, a year later, on January 6th again, and the fact that we're discussing this, and I had no idea that won't be silent was what it was. I didn't know what you were doing until I went and really looked at it yesterday. And I listened to a couple of your episodes yesterday when I listened to that most recent episode, Yes, on Martini, and that discussion was really, really interesting. Why don't you tell me a little bit more about, um, about him? The whole idea of the podcast is to two things. A, I want to interview as many candidates that are running that might not have a full-blown budget and just kind of... My idea is that I've been very fortunate, even though I'm not a massive account on TikTok, but I have a very uh, loyal following. We're a couple hundred thousand almost. But I've connected with like 30 to 40 other political TikTokers. And I've interviewed all of them for the podcast leading up to what's gonna, what's launching now, which is I wanna be able to spread the word of these various candidates and these like, you know, like Jess and this guy, Jay from mm-hmm. North Carolina, or actually Jay is from also Missouri. Mm-hmm. So I want to introduce them to my platform and, and to these people. Yeah. And um, so one of the people who I love on TikTok is Richard Ojeda. If you're not following him, you should. He's a vet. He was in Congress in West Virginia for two years. He um, he didn't rerun because to say, oh, he's a disabled vet. So, but he's awesome. I love him. I've been following him for a while on the app and I've always been direct messaging him, but he never responded to me. And then he was like a guest on Bill Maher's show on, uh, you know, it's HBO. He's part of this organization called No Dems Left Behind. San Martini is the one that actually started it. So it's the two of them. And they do what my whole mission is, which is getting these other candidates that don't have a full on budget. And the DNC is not, you know, identified as one of their choice targets where they languish them with money and whatever and it's just grassroots and it's all about who i am and it's what i really want to do for this whole year leading up to november is to be part of the solution and to give people a voice and again it's we the people like we're the ones that are going to keep this country blue it's not going to be about looking to our leaders and our politicians because the politicians at this point even though i'm a democrat i have very little faith in them I support them. I support Joe Biden. I could miss 10 things I'm, I'm not happy about, but I don't want to be, you know, you know, negative Nelly, whatever, you know. But um, so I'm just interviewing people that can bring voice to the importance of our democracy. 
you know, mm -hmm. the spread, my, my slogan is together, we defend our democracy because it's still in a position where we can defend it. It's mm -hmm. not over yet. We have 11 months. So many people are naysaying that, oh, we're going to lose the House, we're going to lose the Senate. You know, no, with that attitude, yeah, that will happen. We need to fight. You don't go to war knowing that you're going to lose, you know. And, and I feel and it's very upsetting that so many Democrats and so many negative Nellies on TikTok have already just thrown in the towel and it's just not OK. So it's making my job that much harder to find people that want to give voice to truth and justice in the fucking American way. One of the candidates that Abe mentions interviewing on his podcast is Jessica Piper of Northwest Missouri. I interviewed Jess too on Shout Your Cause. Jess owns a cattle farm and is a teacher that has taken leave from teaching school to run for office in the Missouri State Legislature as a Democrat. The episode is entitled, The Effort to Defund Public Schools for Profit and Political Gain. Turn what you know into what you do. Join the platform with the most ways to monetize what you know, whether it's online courses, coaching, memberships, podcasts, newsletters, communities, or more. Kajabi gives you all the tools you need to build, market, and sell it with just a few clicks. Sign up at sallyhendrick.com forward slash Kajabi. That's K-A-J-A-B-I. Now, speaking of who you are, I want to know more about your background because I grew up in musical theater, all kinds of things and, you know, just small town stuff in Tennessee, but it is definitely a love of mine and my writing and all these other things are coming out now in my career as this, uh, you know, middle-aged, a little bit past middle-aged woman uh, something that I've not been able to cater to a lot of my adult life because I had to go make a living, you know, it just, things just got too hard. And, uh, but now I'm really tapping into what I love doing. And so I want to hear about you and what you're doing because it just sounds amazing. Well, I've definitely had an interesting life. I'm having an interesting life. Again, I'm a child of Holocaust survivors. It comes with a certain emotional, you know, there's a lot of good and a lot of bad with all of us, the way we're brought up, you know, no one's cross to bears. And he, I, I always think we're all level playing field in terms of what we have to deal with with our parenting. But my parents were amazing. And my mother, bless her, who survived such horrors that we would listen to since infancy on, just knew the thing that she was really dedicated to was just raising good kids because she'd seen the worst in mankind. You know, the takeaway of my upbringing is that I was raised to be a good person and that's my, that's my gift, you know? Am I like financially in a great shape? No, I wasn't like steered into a life of, you know, I just, my, that's my situation. Anyway, so my dad died young. He also survived the Holocaust. He was sent to Siberia and there was part of the underground. I mean, when you have parents that survived such mountains to climb and really hard to figure out 
if you're living up to any kind of anything, you know? So it's been a, a long road for me to kind of feel like I'm worthy of those parents. You know what I mean? It's my own thing. Um, and it's self-inflicted, but, but it's also given me a huge sense of humor to be able to handle whatever, you know? So I left the roost. Oh, I inherited my dad's business when I was very young in high school. And I, it was just nothing I could spend my life doing, you know? So <laughs> I moved into the city. It was the seventies. Disco was happening. I was coming out of the closet. So the seventies in New York and the eighties in New York city were, way fun anyway um but i've just you know had a life where i was producing fashion shows and whatever and then i moved to los angeles and i was very lucky to get working with carrie fisher who i was like she you know if you ever watch any of the star wars movies that one that second film is where she's slave leia you know when she's with um what's that big slug's name uh, oh. Job of the Hut. When she's yeah. the Job of the Hut in the bikini, that's when she <laughs> slave Leia. I put yeah. myself a Leia's slave. Anyway, um, <laughs> so that was fun, and you know, I've just set out to. I set out to when I left my family business that I inherited. So I said to my mother, "Was like, what are you going to do? What's going to happen?" I said, "You know what? I need to just set out and have a life worth living." You know, because. Mm -hmm stuck being stuck in New Jersey in the automotive automotive parts business was not going to be the last you know my last hurrah anyway um so it's been just an interesting time I just lived in Europe for a while I just I am like a hippie in that I've never become like a corporate member of society I've always you know resisted I've always lived hand to mouth and this project is the same thing. And, uh, you know, and I, you know, work, I produce shoots, I do videos. So this documentary that I'm doing is my first full length format, which of course, when we had freaking COVID, I was like on a roll and everything was blocked down, which is how I found TikTok to say, all right, let me use this message. It won't be silent. Right. What better way to say I won't be silent than by voting? And we were going into the most contentious election of our lives. And um, so, yeah, so I'm just, I'm still finding, I'm still finding my way through all of this. You know, life to me is something that you navigate and you try to just maintain being a good person and not screwing people over and just doing you know, the best you can. You know, I recently got married. So that came Congrats. out of left field. I didn't think I was ever going to do that. And, you know, coincidentally, we were introduced and, you know, life is just great because I wake up in this state of gratitude every day for just being here. You know, it's like I said, I survived the plagues. So let's just see what we can make happen today, you know. Wow, what a fun life so far, and meaningful. I love meeting people who have lived outside of the United States because there's this knowing that we share between us, like a secret that many Americans never get to experience. If only we could all be so lucky. Would you rather work or would you rather play? 
If we're going to go through all of this business building stuff, it better be for something that we love doing, right? Take a moment to do this quick life purpose challenge to discover what makes you truly happy. It's free. Visit sallyhendrick.com forward slash life purpose. I love it. And I love the fact that this year, you know, two years ago when I did those first podcast episodes where I was just raw interviewing people about COVID, just anybody, it was doctors, postal workers, it was nurses and factory owners and, you know, just anybody and everybody that I could interview college students. I interviewed the head of a college and it was everybody's like initial raw response to what was coming or what was happening. And we didn't really know what it was. And then the last, last year for 2021, it was all about exploring the craziness of, you know, the protest and the argument, arguing all the argumentative stuff that was going on on TikTok and all of the exposure, if you will, or expose of, of all these things, these underlying things, these corrupt things that have been happening. And then this year, I really want to focus more towards, all right, we've bitched about it all. Now, what are we going to do about it all? And so the fact that you're doing, you've changed your focus from the documentary into figuring out how to support candidates, that's huge. I mean, that's a huge thing. I've got somebody else I'm going to interview that, that helps people who come out of trauma, a guy who has been in, was in prison for 20 years, and he's really trying to help people to, you know, do something different with their lives. Uh, my husband has been hiring prisoners, you know, ex-convicts or whatever for his, his business. And I just feel like that's a such a hopeful message. And, and it makes sense to be that third year, you know, it's kind of like third time's a charm. You've right. gone through all these phases. And so I really appreciate that you're doing that. Um, you can't live, you know, you can only wallow for so long. You know? Right. Right. I mean, I, <clears throat> the whole second year, the whole this past year was really making sure that I was cultivating the kind of following that I could count on for doing something like this, you know, like mm -hmm. I delete the naysayers. I, you know, I, I, I delete and block the naysayers because I want to talk to people of like mind. The thing about the internet that when it first started was so great when we were finding these communities of like minds and connecting to them mm -hmm. before because before the ad agencies kind of destroyed the internet. Right. But, um, and that's what with the simplicity and the innocence of TikTok was like during COVID lockdown, when we all found our way there, you know, celebrity culture took a back seat during COVID mm -hmm. and everybody's voice mattered. And I cared about you. And when we saw what happened to George Floyd, it was like, of course, we have to stand up for what's right. And, you know, unfortunately, I am a firm believer in defund the police is a terrible slogan. And I think that's put us on the defensive for no reason, because mm -hmm. the truth is nobody wants to completely get rid of cops, just the bad cops. And it's a matter of finding them and weeding them out. But we have, you know, the thing is the cops are not as big an issue as our friggin' people in government and the GOP. Mm -hmm. These are people that are traitors, treasonous, 
horrible people that are deciding policy. And they needs to be, it's like I, the post that I did before the Lindsey Graham one this morning was we need to have Nuremberg trials. We I have a hundred known fucking criminal, treasonous, responsible. I mean, five people died. What yeah. are we even talking about? If you think that this is okay, then you have no business calling yourself an American and you shouldn't be living in this country or you should be sent to Guantanamo to spend the rest of your life. Because this is, this is not the America that I was, this is not the America my parents came to after World War II. And I refuse, I mean, I'll sooner move out of the country if this goes that direction, I don't care. I've lived abroad. I lived, I moved to Amsterdam after mission accomplished bullshit happened during the George Bush era. We were calling French fries freedom fries. I'm like, excuse me, French fries, don't fuck with my French fries, honey. You know what I mean? Do you think, you know, because when you think about it, existence here for people of color and for other marginalized groups has always been contentious and they've always had this secret life or secret treatment that a lot of people didn't know about. And then social media brings it all out. And then all these snakes rise up and some of them get into Congress and some of them, you know, start leading this and that and the other, but then we, we, all of a sudden it's all exposed. Do you think maybe because of that, that that is why we have a chance to come back and make things actually good? At some point, I don't. You know what? I'm. I am. I am a diehard optimist. I think we could say we can make things better. I don't think we could say good. Not in the short term. I think that. I think that the awareness is is a great first step towards how we could somehow treat people of color and Native Americans and immigrants mm -hmm. and, you know, Latino population better, you know? But, you know, even though I'm white and I have like, you know, entitled because of my, my skin color, the fact mm -hmm. remains I have been the recipient of anti-Semitism since I'm five years old, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So it's like anti-Semitism sucks and, you know, you can't, just because I'm white doesn't mean that I don't know what it's like to feel other, you know? And, and it's hard for me to talk to some, you know, to somebody who really is in the trenches of being, you know, minimal, minimized and not treated with equal, you know, as equally as I might, but I still, I know what it's like to not be wanted and to be at the receiving end. You should see some of these things people direct message me. It's just, and I'm gay, which is another thing that these people- I was gonna say. Just, you know, <laughs> Jewish <laughs> and gay, man, they would have a field day and like put me up and, you know, on a, on a pyre, you know what I mean? Which yeah. is sadly how my uncle was killed, you know, burned alive. I mean, just yeah. the fact that, you know, I don't know, I just, I've seen, I've known from hearing stories since I'm like three about what people are capable of doing. 
And then when we see what happened on January 6th, we see that it's cap they're not only capable of it, but they're doing it. And, and if they had their hands on any of the Congress people, I am sure we would have lost a few. You know what I mean? They were yeah. with that level of anger, they were outside of themselves. Yeah. You know, you know how freaked out you get when you're furious about something? We all get to that. We all get riled up to a crazy place. But when you're there with the mission to kill, you're gonna kill. Like, please, they're lucky that they didn't get that because then they would more people would be up for murder. They're spreading feces on the wall. Do you know how out of reality, how far out of touch you are? Imagine, first of all, why haven't they taken a, what's it called, swab of that and found the person that did it? I'm sure that that is in the works, don't you but think? Don't you, but it's never been reported. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I haven't <laughs> found the, the match yet. Whose shit is this? <laughs> Whose shit is it? It's like a, <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Ah. I often wonder what would have happened if anyone in Congress had been killed. Some people think January 6th was harmless, just a game. And that may be the case for the vast majority of those who were in Washington, D.C. at the Capitol. But many people made bad decisions that day. And there were treasonous players with devious plans coordinating a horrific outcome. I truly believe that. Do you have a dog? Learn unleashed potential dog training secrets with Duke Ferguson. This free video series will get you pro training tips so you can get your dog's attention, eliminate behavioral problems, and enhance your relationship in just 20 minutes a day. Sign up at sallyhendrick.com forward slash dog training. So wait, well, so tell me about your company. You help, but you market how, what? Okay, well, shout your cause. That part of it is the, it's the passion part, the part where when things piss me off, I write. When things make me mad, I go look for somebody to help me tell the story. You know, if, if, if things upset me, I want to be able to get the truth out there because I can see a lot of things that maybe a lot of others haven't because I've traveled all over the world. I've lived in Europe as well. And I've went to school there and I've been to China and Australia and Ecuador and just all kinds of other places. And, and I want to be able to bring that truth back to people because I grew up in the, the South and I have I have a, a one side of my family was wealthy and one side of my family was poor. So like the rich father and the poor mother. And, and I've got a whole story to write about that. I've been writing it for a year now and it's about, you know, this generational um, situation with men, women, different types of abuse and how it comes out within your children and what, what other type of abuse comes out of that and so on and so forth. And the whole racial thing. So um, that's something that I've always wanted to talk about because when I go back home, I will hear some pretty unbelievable things from people. And I just, I feel like I can't go back. But I don't want to dismiss where I grew up either because there is a lot of good there. And so 
that's a lot of where my passion comes from in telling stories. My marketing business and advertising, I know all about algorithms. <laughs> it is really to help s- small businesses. It's more mom and pop type businesses, coaches, life coaches, uh, small business coaches to help people have successful businesses and to use social media to get their clients and to really reach out to the clients who they, they really tick with, you know, the ones that they connect to the best, because that's, that's how you really make change in people individually. And so as I've been building the marketing side of things and the advertising side for people, because I teach it and I do it for some clients, um, I've been developing the Shout Your Cause place and I'm going to be hosting people's podcast. I will be hosting their, um, I will be hosting their writing, their creative writing, their political writing, their stories, whatever it is. And I'm trying to make it into this magazine and podcast hub, if you will, to lift the voice of others. Oh, and cool. then if, if they want to pay money to have me advertise it, then I'll just do it for them. Because I'm going to be running everything in a rotation. So I'm just trying to figure out how to monetize it to the point where not that it's a profit machine, but that it is sustainable. But then it will also feed into my business side. When people are ready to create a business that helps people, then I can teach them on the other side of that. Right, right. So well, that sounds very interesting. How did you find me from TikTok? Yeah, TikTok. Yeah, I just reach out to people. I'm just like, hey, I'm watching you. I'm, I'm listening, and uh, I want to discuss this. I have to make sure I'm following you. Wait. Well, um, I changed my name on TikTok to Shout Your Cause. So go ahead and find that and follow me. I started talking a lot about COVID in the beginning because I used to be an actuary, which is very different <laughs> from what I'm doing now. <laughs> Isn't that... Insurancy kind of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, basically, it is. I had to go to bat for corporations to get their insurance pricing in line. And, but I had to be, I had to be unbiased in my opinion. And sometimes that didn't make people happy in the boardrooms (laughs) because it affected their, their bonuses. And so, anyway, I got tired of, I got tired of feeding the machine and, decided I was going to do my own thing. Stepping away from the corporate life was really hard for me. If I hadn't watched my husband successfully start, build, and sell businesses for 20 years, I wouldn't have ever thought of leaving in the first place. But I was the steady income for a very long time, with my spouse in the feast or famine mode all along. Eventually, I couldn't take it anymore. My soul was ready to come out. So I left my career to nurture my creative instincts. And now I get to interview people I admire, like Abe Gurko, to learn as much as possible about humankind. Do you want to stand out from the crowd with your content? Come discover how to market yourself as an expert, as a change maker, as a positive influence on other people's lives. With the Exponential Marketing Club, you will learn the ins and outs of content marketing that makes a difference in the world. 
visit sallyhendrick.com forward slash club. The thing about these Republicans and all these people who are on January 6th and all these people that are willing to do, which is based on living within a lie, they don't love themselves enough to trust themselves. They, it, it's, it's self-hatred mm-hmm. what it is. And that's the thing. They don't love themselves enough to believe what the truth is, that it's easier for them to live in this space where they're allowed to be angry and want to do the bidding for somebody who is a known psychotic lunatic. People don't know how to be wrong or be sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Simple and sad at the same time. Yeah. It is sad. But let's let's try to keep it hopeful. Well, yes, if, of course. We have to end on a high note. <laughs> oh yeah, we can't end this with with a bad <laughs> Well, look, oh. all I'm saying is you know, direct message me, whether it's through TikTok or through, you know, my YouTube channel or won'tbesilent.com, direct message me, be part of this next phase of making sure we keep this country blue. That's yeah. just all there is to it. I need is I need millions of people to be part of this initiative. And all you have to do is just spread a positive message. We're not asking anyone, I'm not fundraising. My whole platform is friend raising. And there's a huge difference between the two. <clears throat> and that is what we're all about. And that's the way we're going to, because when you get enough friends, you can make enough, you know, you can find the ones that have money. But if you just go out looking for money up front, it's a turnoff, you know? Yeah. That's kind of like you said, like if you're always looking to the rich people or to the, lead, you know, those people to lead you, then you're missing the point. And they're going to lead you down the wrong path. They're going to lead you down the path that brings you back to what's best for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's so horrible. No, but, but I'm, look, I'm optimistic enough to know that I'm going to slog through this year and make ends meet to the best of my ability because I just want to live in a place that I can feel proud of and respect, you know? Self-respect is the most important thing for me. And it's... If I sense that there's a disrespect, it's going to get, it's like, that's like my past, you know, that's, that's my no-go area. So, um, yeah. I want, and again, I, I'm happy to move to Mexico or Israel, you know, if need be, but honey, if this place turns red, toodles, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. If it turns com- permanently red. <sighs> Anyway, let's let's hope not. No, it won't. No, I'm da- I'm going to die trying, honey. That's all there is to it. All right. Well, let's do that. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I'd love thank to wrap, wrap this up. It's been great talking with you and everybody goes shout goes to shout your cause and subscribe to the podcast, but also go to won't be silent uh, and subscribe to that. This is Abe. It's Gurko, right? Gurko or Yeah, Abe Gurko. So I want to say that right. And this is Sally Hendrick. I'll see you next time. Bye, darling. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was awesome. Bye, honey. See ya. Thank you for listening today. My name is Sally Hendrick. Be sure to visit our website for show notes and more information on how you can inspire others. 
If you would like to contribute content to our magazine, please apply on our website at shoutyourcause.com. 